we need to be sharing our knowledge more um, as sort of scientists uh, with Māori and as scientists we need to be really aware of the context and the value of that mataranga Māori when we are developing research proposals and to inform our research pathways. Scientist Dr Wendy Saunders looks at our response and risk to natural hazards. How do we recover from earthquakes or plan for a tsunami? As part of the Resilience Challenge, the Matauranga Māori team draw on Indigenous knowledge systems that impact people and ultimately policies. They draw on written and oral histories, stories and language that relate to the environment. Māori social scientist Lucy Carter was a university student in Christchurch during the 2011 earthquakes. It was probably um, the thing that had the most profound effect on my whānau and my community and we're all still feeling it today. And it's actually what really got me interested in studying disasters. Professor Tayarahia Black is also part of the Mātauranga Māori team and is adding to the body of work with his research about the Hāhi Ringatū, the Ringatū faith and Te Kōti, adding to the resources that demonstrate resilience. They've established a platform for resilience national science uh, for Māori to develop this thing called excellence in research. That's the first thing. The second thing is they have identified... um, some really, uh, in my view, top leadership in Māori research uh, opportunities. Koe ara te kaupapa kōrero e haere ake nei. Tēnei te mihi kauatu ki a koutou katoa. Kua whai wā nei ki te whakarongo mai ki tēnei o ngā hōtaka. He kai mo te hirikapo. Ko Justin Murray taku ingoa. This is Te Ahika on RNZ National. The Resilience Challenge has 10 interdisciplinary areas from rural to urban planning, economics, culture and mātauranga Māori or Indigenous knowledge systems. Now within that stream there are several scientists and researchers and two PhD students with a focus on resilience. In some shape or form they look at how iwi, hapu, governance and communities play a part in the recovery and response to natural disasters. Dr Wendy Saunders is quite the expert in the field. Over the past decade, she has received various grants to assist her research. In 2008, she was the winner of the Zonta Building Research Award to enable her to carry out her PhD from Massey University. So I've really had a focus on risk-based land use planning. So instead of just planning for natural hazards, where you're just sort of considering the likelihood of an event happening, I was really keen to start getting councils and planners and communities to focus on the risk, where you're also thinking about the consequences of an event happening. Quite often when we think about the likelihood, like a flood, for instance, happening over only um, over you know a 100-year time period, people think that, oh, it's in 100 years' time, it won't have any impact on me. But with a risk-based approach, it's really trying to put some consequences around what that means. Like the road might be out, the bridge might be out, um, you may not have access to your house. So trying to put some descriptions around those consequences and then planning for them.
um, I think Christchurch was a real wake-up call for people as well um, around the country and as well as those international events. And we've seen policies move quite a lot in the last couple of years, particularly the Resource Management Act was amended last year so that now the significant risk of natural hazards is a matter of national importance. So when it comes to councils, what does your role, what, how does GNS work alongside policymakers and local government? Yeah, we try to understand what their needs are at the time. So quite often after an event, for instance with Christchurch, um, liquefaction became quite a, an issue for councils. So it's understanding what their needs are and then how can we, as GNS Science, help fill that gap for the needs that they have. And within your case studies include how roads are designed for effective evacuation routes or as simple as adequate walking tracks in case people need to get away by foot. Just this year, Dr Saunders and her colleagues visited Matakana and Rangiwaya Island in the Bay of Plenty. According to Saunders, the area is susceptible to every kind of natural hazard. Her team were there to find out more about the effectiveness of iwi management plans. That is, a set of documents prepared by Rulanga or iwi authorities outlining the significance of resource, spiritual and cultural sites. We've been doing a case study in the Bay of Plenty for that over the last couple of years and we chose the Bay of Plenty because they have every single natural hazard that we can possibly get in New Zealand is right there in the bay. You know, they have volcanoes, um, flooding, erosion, sea level rise, active vaults. So every, every hazard that we can possibly have, they have. Uh, and they also have a lot of iwi management plans in the area. So we did go and look, um, did an analysis of all the accessible iwi management plans as a desktop exercise and looked to see how natural hazards had been incorporated into these plans and then also looked at how iwi management plans were given effect to by the councils in their district plans. So that included... Uh, having hui with a number of iwi who had included natural hazards in their iwi management plans. Uh, And one of those, um, we were fortunate enough to go over to Matakana Island um, and have a hui with the representatives there about their experience of uh, developing an iwi management plan uh, and also how they've found the implementation of the plan has been going. So when you say implementation, can you walk us through that process? Yes, so... Iwi management plans aren't legally required by an iwi, but if they do develop a plan, or it could be a hapu, either a hapu or an iwi, um, once they are lodged with a council, they do become legislative uh, plans under the Resource Management Act. So we were really interested to see uh, not only what was in the iwi management plans in regard to natural hazard management, but also how were the councils... Um, then applying what was in the iwi management plans and how were they considering the iwi management plans in their policies and plans. Um, So it was really a a two-way look at how the plans um, had been developed and then what happens once they're lodged and how they're implemented um, and given effect to by the councils. So Wendy, can you just define for me what a natural hazard is? Is it caused by the environment, therefore you can't prevent it? Yeah, there's there's actually... um, Legislatively, there's a lot of definitions of a natural hazard, but um, pretty much 
A hazard is something that occurs sort of naturally. Um, it's an event that happens. For instance, you know, rain falls and we get a flood. Um, the hazard comes in when it starts to impact um, on on people. Um, and then the risk comes in when, when there's the consequences of that hazard to, to a community, for instance. So, Wendy, with Mātauranga Māori and its connection to science, we talked to Dan, Dr Dan Hikuroa last week on the show. What's, what's your kind of, how do you navigate that space as a natural hazards, uh, hazards planner and Mātauranga Māori and what your understanding of the, the two is? Yeah, I think the connection is very clear. Um, Mātauranga Māori definitely connects the science, the environment and natural hazards as part of that. We, we heard a really... Some, some good comments when we were in the Bay of Plenty on our hui um, around, you know, Māori have experienced everything. They've got huge experience and knowledge of their environment and natural hazards. And uh, one representative that we talked to um, talked about a developer wanting to come in and put in a large subdivision. This representative made the comment that, you know, if the land was any good to live on, we would already be living there. And, and, you know, that's a really clear indication and acknowledgement right. of that Mataranga Māori um, around where they were living, the choices that, that they had already made um, as to where they should be living. So I think we need to be sharing our knowledge more um, as sort of scientists uh, with Māori and as scientists, we need to be really aware of the context and the value of that Mataranga Māori when we are developing research proposals and to inform our research pathways. Do you look to, you know, stories and what could have occurred, um, you know, back in the 1800s at all, or was it really about forward and planning? With the iwi management plans, it's really interesting that a lot of them do include the history and past events um, that have happened. One plan included the Tarawera eruption, for instance, and the impact that that had on the migration of of the iwi. So um, I think it's extremely important to be aware and knowledgeable um, about the past. Not only is it available in iwi management plans, but the statutory acknowledgements that um, have also been published as part of Treaty of Waitangi Settlements provide a huge amount of information um, of the past, um, the experiences and knowledge that iwi have. And I think it's imperative that we read these, we become familiar with, with the history as scientists, but also as sort of communities going forward as well. Kia ora, Dr Wendy Saunders, social scientist with GNE Science, Lower Hutt in Wellington. Māori social scientist Lucy Carter is taking the message of disaster preparedness to schools. With whakapapa links to Aparima and Otako in the South Island, it was the Christchurch earthquakes that would influence a career in disaster risk management. The Canterbury earthquakes happened, which was probably um, the thing that had the most profound effect on my whānau and my community, and we're all still feeling it today. And it's actually what really got me interested in studying disasters. 
So once I finished up my BA at Otago University, I returned to Ototahi to work for my runanga. Um, and while I was there, there was a lot of really great korero being shared about the disaster response that was organised by Māori. And I thought it was a really positive story about how our kaupapa, our tikanga and our matoranga Māori can make our people really effective at responding to disasters. Um, so I actually ended up going over to Colorado to do a master's looking at Indigenous disaster management. And um, I produced a thesis looking at United States federal disaster policy and how Native American tribes were participating in their systems and their disaster mitigation programs. And at the same time, I was also working on a project for the Federal Emergency Management Agency developing national school safety guidelines for American schools. So your master's thesis in Colorado, did you visit reservations and talk to the people there? Like, What, what was your kind of um, your legwork that you did? That's a really good question. Um, I would actually say that this master's thesis um, was a very top-down approach. So what I was looking at for that was mainly the federal disaster policy. And that was actually my inspiration to um, continue and do more research in the area because I hadn't really been able to do the bottom-up approach working with communities. So I really wanted to find a project that was an opportunity to look at the grassroots level and what was going on with disaster management um, from the community perspective as opposed to just the higher-level federal government perspective for policy. Lucy works with Kurakaupapa Schools, and although the program is relatively new, she hopes to build on that resilience framework. This project was developed by me with the support of Kate Borson from East Coast Lab in the Hawke's Bay, and we're funded under the Resilience to Nature's Challenge Matauranga Māori theme. And I was really interested in doing a project that was able to combine um, my passion for Indigenous and Māori disaster management, as well as my interest in children in schools. So designing something for kura kaupapa Māori and bilingual kura, and just kura more widely, seemed like a really good intersection between these areas. Um, So we decided on a framework that was a small pilot project where we would get high school age students from bilingual or multi-medium schools to design a kete of education activities to run with primary school age kura students. So it's still a very fresh project, um, so to speak. We just finished running the activity on the 28th of September. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the the analysis phase is just beginning for us. You know, making it more palatable, I suppose, to our pupils. Well, yeah, what we really wanted to do was provide um, a framework from which the high school students could design something to do uh, with the kura students. So um, we sort of framed um, some education ses- sessions around uh, Sir Mason Jury's Te Whare Tapa Fa holistic health model to talk about building uh, tsunami resilience as a kite. So mm. looking at... Um, a resilient body, a resilient mind, a resilient spirit, and a resilient whānau and community. And so we really wanted the girls to think about those four attributes for trying to increase resilience um, for our tamariki. Well, I'm hoping that um, I'll have the opportunity to extend this project somewhat um, to a wider sort of geographical uh, region and um, hopefully work with more kura in the future, helping them develop their own curriculum or education activities. So um, that would be my hope for the future for this particular project. 
So what if a tsunami struck New Zealand tomorrow? How would we respond? Well, a nationwide emergency drill is planned on the 18th of October. So what we want you to do is register at shakeout.gov.nz and basically all you need to do is at 9.30am we want you to practice your drop, cover and hold on and if you can also take the opportunity to practice your tsunami hikoi along your evacuation route so you can familiarise yourself with where you would go in a tsunami evacuation. Ko Auraki Tamonga, Ko Waimakarere Tiawa, Ko Takatimu Tawaka, Ko Kaitahu Tiwi, Ko Takutai Otetiti Toku Marai, No Ototahi Aho, Ke Poneki Toku Kainga Inayane, Ko Lucy Carter Toku Inua. Kia ora, Lucy Carter, Māori social scientist with GNS Science in Lower Hutt. Dr. Tayarahia Black is Professor of Māori and Indigenous Research Development at Te Wharewānanga o Awanuiārangi in Whakatāne. He's also part of the Resilience Challenge Mātauranga Māori team. Dr. Black has created a large body of work that relates to the history of Te Hāhi Ringatū, the Ringatū faith, and the prophet Te Kōti. As part of the team's brief, the aim is to help others better understand and implement Indigenous knowledge. Now, this means the integration of local, traditional, iwi, and hapu based matauranga, te reo Māori, kawa, tikanga, or Māori customary practices. According to Dr. Black's research, the history of the iwi and the impact of colonisation, along with the influence of the koti, forms the basis of his research, reclaiming Māori history, teaching truthful, respectful, colonial history. I'm really grateful to the um, Resilience National Science Challenge uh, Board of uh, Governance and to our uh, research leaders Kate Erickson and Dr Jonathan Proctor at Massey University. Uh, those two, uh, there are three things that I admire about them, and I'm sure the rest of the research team will equally agree with me. One is uh, they've established a platform for resilience, national science, uh, for Māori to develop this thing called excellence in research. That's the first thing. The second thing is they have identified um, some really, uh, in my view, top leadership and Māori research uh, opportunities. And that's and uh, there's about eight or nine of us. And then there are others that are doing equally impressive but valuable work. Now, why I say valuable? Because, um, you know, in the national news, we've just had the tsunami in, in Indonesia. Let's prepare these things under this uh, Resilience National Science uh, platform. Uh, we've got to be a lot more aware of uh, these catastrophes that are coming to us every day. And they have to be part of our conversations. And we have to make them normalise conversations mm. in terms of preparing ourselves for the future. So my part is, um, has four parts. Uh, one is colonisation took away the linguistic and cultural, intellectual, customary uh, knowledge by two acts of parliament to begin with. In 1863, the, the New Zealand Settlements Act, and then the Rebellious Act as well. Those two acts of parliament 
hugely affected our people in the 19th century. And we're feeling the effects of it today. And so my part is to compile, collect, retell the knowledge that has been recorded by those prophets, the, the, the 19th century prophets. And one of those prophets is Te Koti Arikirangi Te Turuki, Te Matua Tangata. And so uh, he's identified in compositions of Waiata and Karakia, mm. those um, <laughs> brutal circumstances that impacted on Māori. The second thing is that um, during that period, government established education and governmental government deliberately suppressed the language. So you've got those two perspectives. Uh, the first one was uh, the loss of land. The second one is um, education and government deliberate suppression of languages. And the third one is uh, the loss of environmental knowledge based on those land, mm. based on, on, on the land and the practices that occurred on those lands. And then, of course, the fourth one is the adversial, adversial um, natural environmental hazards, climatic conditions that are impacting on us today. So, in a way, there are three parts. <laughs> four, four parts. Four parts. Four parts. Four parts to my uh, Resilience National Science Research Kaupapa. And do all those four parts, was it mainly the fourth part, play an interconnected role as to why Māori are, or why um, resilience is making, I mean, are we becoming more resilient as a people based on our colonised history? Good question. Yes, I think we are. Um, it's a very good question because... Um, uh, the Wānana and universities and mainstream tertiary education, uh, there, there are some, some really meaningful uh, research platforms that are being developed. Now, uh, the uh, School of Indigenous and Graduate Studies here, we have a Master's Reo and Doctorate Reo Academy. And we are very lucky that uh, people like Fabian and others uh, who are identifying particular loss of knowledge within the specialist field that they come from. And then Te Whare no is here as a platform to generate that as a record, uh, not just of the loss, but the record of that knowledge. And so uh, myself and Dan Hikurua and Wendy yes, Saunders, yes. we bring together... Uh, Three or four things. The first thing we bring together is um, we identify together with the communities that the type of people that can undertake this type of res uh, specialist research. And this is why Fabian's here. Uh, he's a specialist researcher, in my view, in terms of the hahiringa too. Mm. He's also someone who is a tohuna but has, uh, has, uh, understands the depth of of scholarship that's contained within the Hahiringa too. So when uh, people like Fabian and others approach the Farewanana, we've got to make uh, this thing called knowledge available and the idea of what research is. It's about compiling and collecting all those published and unpublished sources that could generate knowledge for now and the future generations. And then we've got to use technology to do that. And so that's, that's really part of it as well. The role that Resilience, National Science, plays is to provide the vehicle. And then 
we unpack the research tools to make that happen. <laughs> mm. So it just made me think of an interview that I did with Christy Lee Thomas, who's from Farikodi, and she studied the eight, or she researched the 1868 tsunami that hit Farikodi one o'clock in the morning, August the 15th, and the the knowledge following the tsunami. Um, according to what she's researched, uh, 300 Māori returned to Taranaki and the Mātauranga was lost. Intergenerational knowledge was lost, right? So she's kind of digging around, digging around. She interviewed the local Komatua. So I want to bring you in here, Fabian. Is it a matter of digging and digging and uncovering that lost court at all? How do you go about your, your research as a PhD student? Um, really, it's just um, um, going off um, experience and um, what I can contribute towards uh, my research uh, in terms of um, how I mean by um, experiences. Uh, been following the Haerenga uh, for the last 22 years now and uh, just wanted to put this kind of experience into... Uh, written written form mm. and also by with the help of Claire here Black and the Forty One and to give me the tools to uh, collate that information and bring it back out that's been lost because our crower, our queer that did hold all this knowledge have all passed and that knowledge has passed with them. So me being the younger generation coming in would revive that and hopefully um, encourage other tohuna uh, from, uh, could be from all uh, religions to mm. um, have a look at a similar idea on what um, Taira here and I have sort of thought about in, in doing for the hiring or two. And um, yes, in going to all the sources that give their different interpretations of what I'm researching and collating all that information together and bringing it together to, to have more understanding and maybe hopefully this will encourage um, more followers to um, follow. Fabian. Mm. So you can get a, a, a good grip yes. on the resilience uh, and, it's, and it's in the heart and soul of uh, people like Fabian um, just taking your point about the tsunami for Farekau. Yes. Uh, that's a good point. Um, and the, the tsunami that occurred there and and salvaging, eh? Salvaging that type of knowledge. It's it's absolutely essential, perfect that you went straight to Fabian, uh, straight after that, because Tekoti and his people, 320 of them, were incarcerated for two years in Farekau in 1866 without trial. In the Himenarawiri, there's a, there's a wording that goes, Himenarawiri te ono te kaumārima, e te ariki e tāriana koe e te whakamuemiti, mau e whakamana nā kupu tangrangi. That's the line that helps us all to generate mau e whakamana nā kupu tangrangi to make important the value of uh, your word again, intergenerational knowledge succession plans. And so that's a valuable study. Potentially we could support that study by, by offering the, the when and how Te Koti and his people, Rongofakata, Te Aitana Mahaki, uh, Naitama Nuhiri, and from Mangatu as well, 
were incarcerated there. So these that sort of added parts, that's what resilience is about. Kia ora, Dr. Tairahia Black, Professor of Māori and Indigenous Research Development. And we also heard from PhD student Fabian Mika from Te Whare Wānanga o Awanui We'll hear from them both in upcoming episodes of Tiahika. For more information about tonight's show, head to rnz.co.nz forward slash tiahika. Now this week on Thursday evening, songwriter Rhea Hall won the Mayoha Award at the APRA Silver Scrolls, an awards evening that recognises excellence in songwriting. Her waiata, Tiahi Kaipo, was written by Rhea Teoripaki and Tikitane. Congratulations, he mihi tine, uh, kia koutou. Hoki mai a te wiki e tu mai nei join us next Sunday. Hei kona mai.